You're listening to the Conversations Podcast, brought to you by Cypress Creek Church. And then I realized that loving others and living for Jesus is not a burden or a responsibility. I categorize responsibility as a burden. <laughs> you know, things that I have to do are not necessarily the things that I want to do or the most fun. Uh, but when it comes to my relationship with Jesus, because of what he has done for me, I now have the ability to respond to anything that comes my way. Welcome to the Conversations Podcast. I'm Taylor. We're continuing our God is Love series on week three, talking about faith and action. Joined with two great friends. First, we have Sean Stover and we have Jose Abaroa, both of y'all. Thanks for being here. Great to be here. As always with you guys. Awesome, awesome. Okay, Sean, you had an awesome message on Sunday. It went from good, great to awesome. I can confirm. Uh, it's getting better with age. <laughs> that's right. So I'd love to give you the first word as kind of what your thoughts were as you looked at this chapter for the first time and just kind of in your preparation for the message, what kind of was going through your head as you prepared. Yeah, you guys have been listening to me for a, a while and you know that I don't have formal seminary training and I'm not, you know, an expository preacher. So it's always good for me when Jose picks up a book of the Bible or, you know, we have a sermon series that goes through because it, it does force me to not just be topical in my thinking or my teaching, but actually dig in to what God is saying or through whoever is writing that particular chapter and really dig into the verses. And uh, as always is the case, you know, there you always find something in there that's yeah. applicable in that moment uh, immediately to you. And that was the case here in first John chapter three. I mean, I love the way that John was being pretty specific with the, the people he was writing to and saying, Hey, you've got to do more than just receive Jesus as a result of receiving Jesus. You've got to be willing to love each other and mm-hmm. do that through sacrifice and service. And so, it was a good reminder for me because I do get weary in that sometimes. And I forget that, man, so much has been done for me that I've got a responsibility to get out there and give back. love that you use that word responsibility because that's what I saw as my duty as a Christian early on in my walk. And I remember where I was, Breckenridge, Colorado, with a group of college friends. And I was doing my reading outside, staring at the beautiful mountains. And it was that word that that... I feel like it was just a picture in my mind was flipped. And then I realized that loving others and living for Jesus is not a burden or a responsibility. I categorize responsibility as a burden. (laughs) You know, things that I have to do are not necessarily the things that I want to do or the most fun. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when it comes to my relationship with Jesus, because of what he has done for me, I now have the ability to respond to anything that comes my way positive or negative circumstance, um, any any hiccup in a relationship or surprise in life. And that's what our faith gives us, is this ability to respond to anything. And it's actually beautiful when we walk that out and, and insert Jesus and whatever's going on. So I like that you plugged like that word there, responsibility. Yeah, and it is. I know sometimes we do have a negative connotation to the word responsibility, but think back to when you were young and your parents gave you like responsibility for something and it was a big deal. It was like, wait, you mean, yeah. I, you mean yes. I get to be Family responsible for this? Yeah, exactly. Taylor, tell never, us about no, your No, I never, never had a fish. <laughs> I was riding my bike to school. 
Yeah. I don't feel like that was a responsibility that I that I couldn't wait to have. And I finally got it in third grade. <laughs> yeah. I think that's more what the connotation yeah, of, of that is. Man, there is just God loves us so much that he's like, hey, let me show you some things you can do with the gifts I've I've put in you and the talents and the resources I've given you. Let me show you how you can use that. And it's like, it's like that writing to school. You're like, man, this is a big deal. I'm yeah. grown up. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, no, that's really good. Okay, so let's jump into uh, another word here. We've got and, your favorite three-letter word. Um, first off, I just want to say real quick, the 1030 gathering, you everyone was shouting out names, and then you're like, God? Anyone? God? God's a good one? <laughs> no one laughed at that nearly as much as I thought. We they all were. missed it. Like, that's that's a good one. Uh, but no, so this and, and I love how you brought up, starting with Ephesians 2 compared to James 2, just this idea of by grace you've been saved, and then talking about faith without works, and just that that healthy, you know, balance of the two as far as that tension there. And then getting to the theme verse for the week, which was on 1 John 3, 23 through 24, about believing in Christ and loving one another. And so I know you harped on this a little bit, but I loved you just to expand and hear both of y'all's thoughts in a culture that we, we don't use and a lot. It is ors and uh, you Black pick and, and yeah. And yeah. so just this concept that, because I think you, you tied it in perfectly to this passage, but I think just in general, we can apply this to a lot more areas of our lives. So what is the power of and, and, uh, and then, yeah, what does that look like in our lives? Just even beyond just this passage. Yeah. In our culture today, this idea of mutual exclusivity, like you, if, if you believe this, then everything else you've got to suspend belief about or, or have a negative, um, thought around. And the reality is that's, that's not how God looks at things or how he treats things a lot of the time. Now there is truth. Don't get me wrong. There's absolute truth. I get that. But inside of that, there are a lot of things that are that can be good, even though sometimes they don't seem like they necessarily go together. And we've got to be willing to embrace that. And that's where we have the opportunity to really listen to each other and to make some sense of what, why somebody else feels what they're feeling. And maybe there is some validity to their point of view that we need to listen to or we need to hear. And I think, you know, that's exactly what John's trying to do as he's writing here is he's saying, look, let's not get caught in one or the other of these camps, the, the camp of, you know, faith, uh, you know, we're saved by grace through faith, not by works so that we might boast. Absolutely. You can't earn your way into salvation or saving relationship with Jesus. I mean, it's a gift. It's free. Nothing you can do, nothing you have done gets you that. And at the same time, that faith should then lead you to want to do good right. works. And if it's not leading you to do good works, then you need to go back to this person. Like, Man, did I really get filled up the way that I should have with God's love and his mercy and his forgiveness so that I can go out there and do that for others? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it really is connected. It's a natural flow of things. If you truly call Jesus Lord, then that changes everything. And it is that love that compels us when we truly recognize what he's done for us, our sin, our shame, all of these things that we naturally have in us. When those things are wiped away, when our minds are transformed, we start thinking differently, then we should be living and uh, loving others the way that Jesus loved us. But we do get caught up on the either and or. I don't know. I think that has a lot to do with our desire to be right, our desire to be right before God, and our desire to show other people the, the right way to live. Mm -hmm. And uh, personally, I find that that has a lot to do with my intellectual understanding of things. I just want to understand. I want a process to follow. And in that, I oftentimes miss out on the what that other person is really 
going through and what that person is feeling and sensing. And when I think of God's love, it is intellectual, it is emotional, it is spiritual, it is the truth that that we have to hold on to in, in, in the spiritual realm, this uh, whole theme of agape love. Um, and it's also relational. It, it ties us to somebody else uh, with a bond that is out of this world. It, it, it comes outside of our normal way of interacting with people. But um, yeah, the end has been incredibly freeing for me. Yeah, I think it's the important concept we need to hold on to because even inside the context of the Bible, you get people that are like, no, the, the Old Testament, you know, that's that's really what's important. You get other people say, no, 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 the Old Testament doesn't even matter anymore. The New Testament's all that. No, it's and we need the Old Testament and the history and the perspective that it gives us on God. And we need the New Testament and obviously what Jesus did for us and how that goes. And, you know, I love John chapter one, verses 14 and 17, where it says love and, and Jesus was grace and truth. That's that's to me one of the other amazingly mm-hmm. large ands yeah, in the scripture oh, yeah. is that grace and truth are what come together to form who Jesus was and how he lived his life and what really love is for us. And um, so we don't want to miss either end of that yeah. continuum because if we do, we miss out on a lot. Right. Know, if we try to live our life only on the works end of that continuum, we're going to end up exhausted mm-hmm. and uh, we're going to miss the saving power of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And if we try to live our life only in basking in the glory and the recognition of being a child of God, but we don't serve any other people, then mm-hmm. it's going to be a really stale existence. Yeah, I love how both of y'all touched on that because I know when you mentioned the 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 polar opposites or the ends of the spectrum here, you can have denominations or whole lines of thought. But I just think in my own walk, how even just in little micro uh, instances or just situations I'm in, I can quickly lean towards one or the other. So it's either like, you know, even just after a sin and thinking, okay, I need to work my way back to God, or I need to like do a lot of good things to overdo the, the wrong thing. And it's like, no, that's not it. And then there's times where I'm good with grace and there's no need to grow up or need to change. It's just like, I'm so even just within my life, I think about um, just the balance of those two and trying to work towards uh, uh, both there. So let's jump into kind of, I love this, this analogy here. You talked about the Jersey wearing God's Jersey as a child of God, just with his name. And, uh, I'd love to jump into the head, heart, hands. We can talk about applying all that, but first just, I'd love to kind of hear both of y'all's thoughts for someone that, uh, maybe that's a new concept for them. Maybe they've thought of, you know, maybe their relationship with God, but the idea of, uh, wearing a jersey, representing him to other people. Um, maybe they feel like they're unworthy of such a thing. Like, no, I got, that's not me. That's a that's a pastor's job. That's like a professional Christian, but not me. What would y'all say to someone like that? That just from the beginning, it's just like, no thanks. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to represent Christ because it's a lot of pressure and and all that. So we have to first see what he did, and I love how sixteen verse sixteen in chapter three. Uh, states it perfectly. By this, we know love. So we're about to know love that he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. So that's what Jesus does. So team Jesus means that you are putting on the jersey and you're really a new creation. You have this new identity as a son or a daughter of Jesus, and you are accepting what Jesus did for you on the cross. And his resurrection, which means that you now have everlasting life. Death cannot separate you from God, cannot separate you from eternity. You are whole new. I mean, that's good news. And verse 16, we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. So we are now wearing our jerseys on mission to answer, to be, we're compelled by that love to be the answer that this world needs, which is love. Agape love, unconditional love, loving first, just as he loved us. That's next chapter. But uh, uh, that 
I, I loved, Sean, that you used that jersey analogy because we are on the same team. And oftentimes with this either or, we start hitting, you know, if we're on the football field, you start tackling your own teammate that's trying to score a touchdown. Or if you're in the defense, you know, you're you're blocking someone that's trying to make a tackle. So so we go after one another when we when we're team Jesus, we're all on the same team. And and we've really what we've done is we've lost focus on what he has done for us. And we start focusing too much on what our jobs or position or roles are. And so that's yeah, it's huge. Yeah, I think it's just good for us to be able to remember that we we do all stand for something. We all have something in common and that is that we're in this family. We're in mm-hmm. the family of God and that's a in a in a, as a staff, church staff we're reading through a book emotionally healthy spirituality and this week's chapter was about the family you grew up in and kind of the things that you learned in that family for the good and for the bad and how you learned to do things around certain topics like money and success and um, you know, all kinds of different areas. And our family of origin influences us significantly. And the Bible talks about generation to generation. And then we enter into this relationship with Jesus. And now we're in a new family. And that's what John was getting at. He was like, hey, you're in a new family now. And this jersey that you're getting to put on has a lot of history. And, it, and there's a lot of positive history to that. Um, but there's also mistakes that we can make. And I think it's like you go to a, a big college football game, you see all these people in the stands, you know, wearing the jerseys of the players they yeah. like, and everybody's dressed the same. Sometimes you get disappointed in what you see out there, you know, <laughs> but you don't hardly ever see them ripping their jersey and be like, I'm never wearing this again. It's the same way with us. We're all part of the family of God once we choose to have Jesus as our Savior. We make that decision. And now as a part of the family of God, sometimes I do look around and I'm like, dude, you're not representing that jersey very well today. Or people, I look in the mirror and go, dude, I didn't represent this jersey very well today. But we are a part of something that means something, you know, more significant. I, you guys could probably tell me the reference, but somewhere in there it says uh, in, in the New Testament, one of the letters it says, clothe yourself in, and then it talks about humility and compassion. compassion. And it's yeah. kind of that same concept. You put this jersey on, then you're going to have to start representing God by the fruits of the spirit that he's put inside you and letting those flow out. And yeah, we talked about it last week. I just don't remember this. Col- I think it's Colossians, Colossians 3. Yeah, Colossians Look at three. There you go. Taylor. There you go, Taylor. Okay. Ooh, you just, you I, don't I don't know. You just earned uh, yeah, some points with God right there. Okay. Put, put off your your you know worldly jersey and put on your Jesus jersey and don't be a bandwagon fan. I think that's what <laughs> that's what I'm hearing these spiritual truths are. <laughs> oh, boy. I don't know how farther we can take this analogy, but uh, let's jump into some of the practical ways I love how you broke down um, just even after uh, Martha Berry. Okay, Martha Berry's uh, examples here with head, heart, and hands. And uh, we could go through each one, but actually what I I noticed as I was taking notes is that each one of these involves giving out of an overflow. So I'm looking at, I wrote down here like for the head and thinking of others and sacrificing, it's giving out of the excess. And so it's just like thinking about them um, and instead of just, you know, just focus on yourself. Or then with the heart, it's, you know, sharing out of the overflow that we have. And so instead of trying to force ourselves to show compassion, it's just out of that genuine compassion here. And then hands in the same way. It's like out of the overflow. So when we've talked about this throughout the series, but just this concept of receiving God's love, what does that look like? And how do I keep receiving God's love? Because at least in my walk, there's days or weeks where I feel like I've got that. And then the spigot you know, the spigot doesn't turn off. I just go away from it and detach myself. So how do we kind of continue to be that so that we can be people that are sacrificially loving people with 
our head, heart, and hands. I like that you recognize that that does come from the overflow. I didn't know if I was going to be able to find my little ampersand sign because uh, Christina has this propensity for taking things that she hasn't seen me use in a while and putting them on buy, sell, trade. And then they yeah. just, they just, they're on the porch and then somebody picks them up and they're gone. You get and, a little bit of money for it. Yeah. I don't know where that money goes. Uh, evidently she gets a little bit of money for it. Um, so I didn't know if I was going to find that. So the other word, the other picture that I had in my mind, not a word picture, actually example would have been to take a balloon and blow it up as much as I was capable, but I was afraid I might be out of breath at the end of that. Might've had to get Risky. a volunteer from the yeah. audience. Yeah. Blow it up. And then just think about when you do that and you let go of that balloon, it just kind of flies around, you know, and uh, that's in some ways, just what I think we fill ourselves up with God and then we're just ready to flow that out to other people. And we get to fly around wherever he leads and directs us and bump into who he does. But that recharging, that part that you're describing to get to that overflow position mm -hmm. is so important. And I think that's why he says in the great commandment to love your neighbor as yourself. And then he talks about those four critical areas. You know, he's, he says spiritually and emotionally and mentally and physically, you need to be recharging yourself in these areas because mm -hmm. as you do, as you love God and you love others and you love yourself, you know, so God's pouring that into us in those four areas. And then we're, we're recharged and ready to go make a difference. And, you know, I could talk all day about self-care because I think it's so important, but that's where the recharge comes. And so if you're out there listening right now, I think it'd be worth just thinking about those four areas and being like, all right, which of these four am I good at recharging in? And which, which one do I maybe lack a little bit? Because some of us, I mean, man, Bob Moss spiritually recharges himself. He starts at four in the morning yeah. Bible and memorizing. He's just killing it spiritually, you know, and then you got you two guys, physical specimens out there running and hitting the road and recharging yourself physically like you do eating hummus and whatever else happens to get y'all coming. Yeah, I know. I know so, coming. so awesome. You know, emotionally, you got to have, you got to recharge yourself. You got to have healthy relationships and friendships and get that cup of coffee with somebody that doesn't need anything from you, that just wants to, you know, be a part of connecting with you. And then um, mentally, you know, sometimes we got to put the phone aside and we've just got to be able to unplug completely and free our mind up. And then for somebody out there, maybe that's got small children or something, you need to go have a good stimulating conversation with somebody mentally to, to recharge your mind. But those four areas are critical and it is our job to take the time to connect with the Lord. And so when you find yourself, like you said, in an empty place, sometimes yeah. like the speaker got turned off, that's the question I would ask. It's like, all right, which of these four areas have I been neglecting and what would it look like to, to get a little recharge here? Yeah, I'm personally learning to slow down in every one of those areas because I tend to just want to do, 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 and then say like, okay, here we go. I did my exercise. I did all this stuff. But really the, the, the continual slowing down in my mind, that allows me to see God's presence. And I totally agree with you, Sean, that those are very, very important. I also know that God can use us at any point. And you spoke about like giving sacrificially. Sometimes we don't, we aren't filled up when it's time to go. It's it's just time to go. And it's time to love that person, even though you may yourself be grieving or you you, you may be in, in, a, in a bad place. And that's, I think, the beauty of God's love is that he uses us wherever we are in our journey to become the best, healthiest, you know, image of the creator image bearer of, of God. And so that's, I think the beauty of this text as I read it is he's just saying, look, remember what Jesus did for you and love 
others. And I think that if we do zoom in on how God loved us, we do all those things. Mm-hmm. We, we recognize our, temp, our bodies are temple of the Holy Spirit. That's a great point that you made about not always being filled up when you're called to go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you pray about it in that moment. And if God's saying, no, I, I need you over there, then you show up. And how many times have you done that? Empty and exhausted. You've gone and you, you've served because you felt like God was calling to. And then something happened in that interaction. You actually felt more Absolutely. recharged Absolutely. when you walked away from it. Yep. You know, you're like, I don't have the energy to serve all that all those meals or get all that food out to people on a Saturday afternoon. I'd rather be sitting on the couch and you go and you do it. And then at the end of it, you've got this amazing, you know, energy. That's what uh, Scott Duncan was saying happened to his group. He said, we were just energized. There was joy. People were like, when can we do this again? Um, So sometimes that serving in itself is the very thing that recharges us. Yeah, no, that's that's really good here. One last question here that you kind of said towards the end of the message was I was like, ooh, was this question you said, are you living a life that shows the love you've already received? And then you started going off and I was like, whoa, 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 I got to write that down. So I wrote it down. Uh, I would love for people to, I mean, myself, I was trying to think about that, but am I living a life that shows the love that I've already received? If someone's asking that question, I just love to hear both of y'all's thoughts as we close as far as how would I maybe evaluate kind of that? I mean, it sounds tricky and kind of hard to quantify or even just compared to maybe who I was or what I've done before. So so where, how could you kind of guide someone as they try to answer this question of, am I living a life that shows the love that I've already received? I think that that comes back to the love we've received is it is in tangible ways, you know, it, it's energy, it's it's gifts, it's talents, it's abilities, it's resources. God's blessed us all with some measure of all of those things. You may not be the financially richest person around, but you may have this really cool gift that serves the body in amazing ways. But what that's to me what it is. And I would say first and foremost, stop and and do an assessment. Where have I been blessed? What, you know, what are the talents specifically that I have that are different than other people in my family or around me? You know, what are the resources that we've been given you know, maybe we don't have a ton of money, but we've got a home that could be opened up or used or shared or something like that. And, you know, you you do an honest evaluation of where you've been blessed because that's God's loving us. And then it's like, all right, what do I do with this now? Lord, show me how to use this blessing that you've given me. Reminds me when Jesus said, freely we receive and then freely we give. So making a, an assessment, a list of those things is huge because that reminds us how providential and uh, generous God is. Mm -hmm. And again, it compels us to give because all of these are gifts from him. And it is a mystery that God uses us imperfect people for his purposes. He doesn't come down and zap. Uh, um, Sometimes he does miraculous things that that are all him, but more, more than not, he uses regular, ordinary people in normal and every average day uh, circumstances to work miracles through his love. I was just talking to Taylor Abaroa, your Taylor, about uh, the group class that she went and did a mm-hmm. class last week on group counseling and uh, learned how to facilitate, you know, counseling in a therapeutic group. And uh, we were talking about how the power of the group is not that the all-knowing counselor, you know, orchestrates everything. It's that the group itself ministers to each other. And there's something powerful in saying, 
all right, it's not somebody that I paid that made me feel better. It's another person that was journeying alongside me that had some of their own issues. And I learned a lot from them in this group session. I think that's what God's doing. You know, he's looking down and he's like, you know what? If it was always me, you know, in my own, you know, only God can intervene and save you in this moment, then my children would miss out on the blessing of being able to serve and love each other. That's right. That's what we have in community groups. That's what we have before and after our gatherings, during our gatherings. And that's the beauty of the church. So let's keep going. All right. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Conversations podcast. If you have any questions that you want us to answer on the podcast, you can email us conversations at cypresscreekchurch.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe and share the podcast. Thanks for being here again, everybody. It was awesome. That's it for this version of the podcast. We will see you guys next time.